You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, welcome to Tribe Supper Live on the Gazette Borough page. I'm Anya Musgrove. Joined, as you can see, by Dom Shaw and Craig Johns. And if you're listening later on the podcast, thanks for tuning in. Please remember to like and subscribe to whichever platform you are listening through. A busy week, gents, in the world of Middlesbrough. And we're going to talk about the three new arrivals to the club. Um, Just before we start, Craig is going to disappear in probably about 10 minutes. He's got a shopping delivery coming, so he's going to leave the screen and return. Um, He hasn't got any frozen food, he informs us. Um, but we'll go to Craig first on the talk of Sammy Amiobi. When he signed for Borough, I did drop Craig a text. And you came back, Craig, and you said to me that um, something along the line, Warnock said he wanted to know what seven out of his 11 players can do on the pitch. And the other kind of three, one of these, or the other, yeah, the kind of four, one of these included Sammy Amiobi is the one that you don't really know what you're going to get from him. Yeah, it was nine, nine, not seven. So um, Warnock had kind of spoken about this this dynamic for his team next season, where he he he, he wants more consistency. Because of course, Borough didn't have enough consistency last season, but he only wants that consistency in about nine of his eleven players. So he wants to know every week that he's going to get a reliable and solid performance from nine of those eleven players. Two of the players on the pitch, he won't know what he's going to get from but they're going to be his match winners. They're going to be the players who can turn a game in a single moment and do things that you don't expect. And that's the type of player Sammy Amiobi is. We we know throughout his career that you know he's, he's, he's had inconsistency and that's why he hasn't quite got to the top level. It's why he's not a Premier League player. It's why he has spent the majority of his career in either League One or the Championship. But he does, on his day have special abilities and he can unlock defences, he can hit, you know, 30, 30 yard screamers, he can put passes through that no other players see or put crosses in the box or beat a man with incredible skill. He has that in his locker. And and that's so that's where Sammy Obi fits in. Sammy Obi fits in. He is one of those two players who uh who can, you know, unlock a defence on his DN. And, of course, the challenge for Warnock is to hopefully get that on a more consistent basis. It's all right not knowing what you're going to get with him and, and that inconsistency kind of being allowed, but he still needs to produce on a, a consistent level in terms of Warnock will want more assists and he'll want more goals than what Amiobi has been providing um, in, in previous seasons. And But, of course... The, the idea, the thinking from Warnock is that what he's going to do, he's hoping, is limit his defensive duties. He feels that in the past, Amiobi has perhaps had to do too much defending, whereas it's quite clear you give him the ball in the final third of the pitch. Amiobi is a player who can hurt defences, as we, as I've alluded to there. So the, the Warnock's thinking is ask him not to do too much defending, let him stay in the final third, give him the ball and let him express himself. And and that's how Warnock is hoping to get the best out of Amiobi on Teesside. I remember when he was at Newcastle, he, he tended to score great goals. I know he scored a few good goals for Forrest as well. He doesn't score on a regular basis. I think he's only got eight or so goals 
for Forest in the, in the last two, when the two seasons he was there, and he only hit ten goals for um for for Bolton in the championship as well. So it's probably something he needs to add to his game. Dom, Craig's mentioned there the kind of the, maybe the theory Warnock's going to uh, use with Amiobi, maybe you know not put him under so much defensive responsibility. But he will have to, if, that, if that's the case, he will have to improve that end product, and he will have to add more goals to his game. Yeah, I think I think obviously his, his primary job is going to be to, to defend, but I don't think he'll be completely given the license to to, to not be aware of what's going on behind. I, I was reading a piece, an interview with him this week, where he was talking about his role at Nottingham Forest, and he was saying how uh, you know he he is he has to be brave. He's encouraged to be brave and courageous on the ball to take those risks to. You know, he's the type of player where there goes Craig right on cue. Um, the uh, he's he's encouraged to be, you know, the type of player where if if you try something and it doesn't and it doesn't come off, which which is likely when you're playing in the the type of role that he is, um, to have the courage to demand the ball again, you know, 30 seconds later and try it again. But he was also talking in this interview about the fact that he realizes, you know, his job isn't all about the glamour and he does have a job to do. So I think you know, regardless. If we see him, Warnock's talked a lot about kind of playing a 4-3-3 or a 5-2-3 next season. And you can see there that, that Amiobi would play off off your Piazu or your, or your striker. He'd be one of those kind of floating in around Noffitt, Duncan Watmore, Marcus Tavernier, Sammy Amiobi. You, you can see it being fluid. Um, but but the, he would still have to be aware of, of, of what's going on behind, of not leaving the, the, the full-backs too, too vulnerable. Um, but obviously, he has been brought in. To, to kind of give that spark going forward, you know, that is something Borough, Borough, Borough have lacked in the last in the last few seasons. That that bit of unpredictability, I think, in the final third. What I like reading Warnock's quotes on Shola Amiobi, you know, he says he's one of these I've always thought I wish I could get hold of. So he could be anything really, and I do understand you've got to take a gamble on some of these. So it's, it definitely sounds like he's a he's he's been a fan of him long term, and he's. He's he's got something in mind where hopefully he can reach a reach. A, I know he's 29, so he's probably past the stage of reaching his true potential. But there's something more to get out of him in the remaining years of his career. Yeah, that, that's it. I mean, I remember when he came to Borough um, on loan, and I think it was nine years ago, and he he scored a you know a world of a goal on his debut against Cardiff, and and after that there were flashes. But but you know he's he's a 19, 20 year old kid, whatever he was then. Um, how many players have we seen come through? The ranks where, especially wingers, those forward players, where they'll where they'll dazzle on a debut or in one of the early games and think, you know, what have we got on our hands here? But it, those type of players do tend to be the most inconsistent, don't they? Especially at the tender age like that. Um, <clears throat> Warnock did say that about Amiobi that he's someone who he's who he's kind of come up against for a while, and when he's been in the opposition dugout, whenever he's got the ball, he's always thought he's capable of doing something. And it's interesting when you when you look at the players he's brought in so far. Um, Lumley was was a kid at QPR, but he was coming through when he was there, so he was aware of him. He knew him. He knows what type of character he is. Lee Peltier obviously has has played for him previously. He was was a key member of that uh, promotion winning team at, at squad at Cardiff. And he also talked uh, with Uchiek Piezo about the fact that he was aware of him when he was at Hearts. He watched him there. He'd seen what he was capable of. Um, so, so he was in his mind, and obviously, what what if Piazu did against Borough in both games this year? When, when to be fair, he, he just bullied Borough and gave the defenders a right 
a right headache. Uh, they certainly knew they'd been in a game, um, and that just enforced to Warnock that he that he was the type of player that he, <clears throat> sorry, that he wanted to to lead the line this coming season. Craig has returned, but he's putting his shopping away. Um, let's talk about Ikepezu signed from Wickham. Six goals in a side that got relegated last season. Now we mentioned in previous episodes how Warnock was probably going to have to bring in probably two strikers, maybe a third. Craig, I'm just wondering if Ikepezu will be the main striker. Is he is he? Do you foresee him being the one that would start week in week out, or do you think Warnock will be looking to bring in another one and he? Well, that might be, um, might be that the number one striker and uh, this fella is on the bench. Yeah, well, I think um, he, he's definitely looking to bring in at least one more, potentially two, um, and then I think the way it'll work is it'll it'll completely depend on on the impressions that they make in pre-season and then in early games. I think because they're all effectively going to be new signings, it's going to be up to them to kind of cement the place and and, and earn the right to be, if you like, the first choice striker. Um, we know Ipizu suits the kind of mould that Warnock likes. He does really like him, as, you, as you, you kind of alluded to there. He's never really been a prolific goal scorer throughout his career, really, but he does make life difficult for defenders. He's, he's um, play with his back to goal in terms of linking up play and bringing others into the game is is really good and something Warnock uh, believes will, ben- will benefit Borough. Uh, but yeah, it's... It all depends at the moment in terms of who else he manages to bring in. As I see at least one more, but potentially two, uh, and then it's a case of then earning the right to cement the cement the place as, as first choice. Uh, obviously, the big thing is because Sikpiers who's here early, uh, he'll probably at least have next week's game against Bishop Auckland uh, almost uncontested. Although uh, Brackpom is of course still there. Um, yeah, he has that upper hand. He, he's there from the very start. He's he's going to have a full pre-season with Borough. So that doesn't give him the upper hand to kind of uh, get in there early, if you like, and cement that place. But but by no means is it, do I believe that that's, you know, cemented for him already. I, th- I think one good thing about Ikpiezu is um, <clears throat> he's hungry in that he said himself, didn't he, this this isn't a move he, he was expecting, really. And, and with respect to Wickham, um, and I know he signed for Watford early in his career, but he was a kid then. He was whatever he was, 16, 17, after he'd scored all those goals for Reading in that in that academy pre-season. But <clears throat> this is his big move, isn't it? Um, and, and coming a year, just a year after he joined Wickham from from Hearts, um, I think it, it, he's coming here. And, and I think, you, you know, new signings are bound to say certain things in, the, in their unveiling, aren't they, in the first interview. But you can tell that he's come... With, with a hunger to, to prove that this is the level he belongs at. And I think the other thing is you, you, can, you, can, you can probably, his stats from last year are slightly misleading in that he missed the bulk of the first half of the season. I think he featured in six games in the first half of the season. Um, and, and when Borough went to Wickham at the turn of the year, Wickham were rock bottom. Um, and I think when I looked last year, their form in the second half of the season from January the 1st onwards, bearing in mind that, January started with a defeat to Borough in which Ikpiezu scored. I think that have been 17th or 18th in the table that have safely stayed up. Though I'm not for one minute suggesting that the fact Ikpiezu wasn't uh, wasn't fully fit in the first half of the season was the only reason they went down. I think I think maybe the, the, the belatedly start to believe started to believe that they belonged in the championship and were kind of there to make up the numbers for the first few weeks. But 
but it was clear from from looking at the numbers, from looking at the form, and from listening and reading what Gareth Ainsworth and, and Nick Piers, whose teammates have said that that he made a big difference when he when he was fit in the second half of the season. I'm just wondering, can any of you two give any insight to any of our viewers or listeners who haven't seen Ikepiers who play this season on what sort of striker he is? Is he is he quick? Is he the target man? I don't know who wants to throw the hat into the ring to explain to explain that. Go on, I'll go for that. I mean, he is he is a big uh, you know a big brute of a centre forward. He it's kind of I remember when he first joined uh, Wickham, they were kind of like looking at looking at him as kind of in Fenwer 2.0, if you like, you know, the Wickham have always had that, the beast up top for them and, you know, doing the damage. And and and, um, and Nick Piazza was kind of seen as, as 2.0 to, um, to in Fenwer. But actually, I think in fairness to him, while he, he is that big brute, while he appreciates himself, I was really impressed with his, his kind of first club interview and and how he spoke, you know, he appreciates himself that he does a lot of what you would call the ugly side of the game. You know, Warnock uh, noted on BBC T's last last week about um, speaking to, uh, to Morrison about him at Cardiff and, and Morrison talking about how, you know, he put him on his backside in both games. He'd left him with a, I think it was a, an injured shoulder in one game and a, and a bad knee in the other. And, you know, that's what he is. He's an absolute nightmare for defenders. Defenders hate coming up against him. And, um, you know, but in both games against Borough, Borough's defence hated coming up against him as well. But actually, he has a little yard of pace that I think is unexpected, and he has a bit of quality with his feet. If if you watch that goal against Borough um, in, in the January 2nd game at Dom alludes to, it's his first goal of the season as well, remember. As Dom says, he, he'd been out struggling for fitness most of the first half of the season. And yes, Borough won that game 3-1, but... Watch Ike Pierce's goal against Burry, his little turn of the shoulder, his little um, thingy over the ball, and then curled into the far corner. It's a good goal, that. And if you watch, I know you shouldn't get too carried away with watching highlights videos because, you know, highlights videos can make anybody look good. But he's a striker. He can get into the box. He can use his head. But he can, he can you know, produce something special and, and a good little finish with both feet. He's got that in his locker. So I think he's got potential to be a pretty exciting signing this season if he can get going, actually. Fingers crossed. I'm just wondering, in terms of the project being sold to the players like Amiobi and Ikepezu, is it a case that Warnock will be saying, look, you're joining a side who fully intends to be in the Premier League next season? Yeah, I mean, we know, we know. Um, you can imagine Warnock being quite a persuasive salesman, can't you? If, if he gets one on one, and he's talked a lot um, since he since he joined the club, obviously last summer around this of of you know his conversations with players. Um, and and I think the other thing, and players have said this, isn't that you, you do know that if you're joining a Neil Warnock side, you know he's he's not he's not around to make up the numbers. He doesn't want mid table. Um, he made it clear last season, really, on the back of a relegation fight, that that what his his ambition was promotion, and and halfway into the season, he still believed Borough were absolutely in the race, which they were, and and that's the case again this season. He's said, hasn't he, on, on a number of occasions that um, a number of factors contributed to him staying. He's, he's he's buzzing to get the fans back. He wants to manage in front of the fans. He wants success for, for Steve Gibson. And and he believes that he's got a squad. Now, obviously, he needs strengthening, but he believes he's got a squad that are capable of challenging, even though he knows that, you know, they, they are going to be up against it and, and it would it would be a case of, of defying the odds again. Got a strike here from Arthur and he asks, uh, who would you like to sign given 
the, the budget that uh, Middlesbrough have. So we'll go. I mean, is is another striker the priority, Jens, or would you like to see somewhere else be targeted first, given the the um you know the plans for the for the forthcoming season? I think I think um sorry to put in. I think one more, at least one more striker is still a priority because I know I know there's, there's obviously British Sunderland and Ashley Fletcher have left. You've you've got Tuba Akpom there as well as Piazu, but um. Akpom must, you would you would imagine, have more to offer than what we saw in his first season at the club. But still, it was a disappointing first season. And, and you know, you, you you would then be one Ikpiezu injury away from having one senior striker. We know he likes Josh Coburn, but it be, obviously you, no one can expect too much of him. He's, it's another year of progression. He's only 18-year-old. So, so I think at least one more one more striker is, is a priority. You could see... Um, him signing one more kind of established centre forward who knows the division, who 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 knows what it's all about. And then if you were going after a third, then look, you know, Liam Delap is someone who's been mentioned type thing. I think then if you were looking for a third striker, you could take what would be deemed as a bit more of a gamble. Although I think Gary uh, Gary Rowett last week described as Delap Delap as, as the best young striker around. So. Um, but you can see what I'm getting at. I think you'd want one more established striker who knows the league, who, who knows what, and who Warnock knows what to expect from him. And then then you've got kind of a bit more freedom, I think, with, with your third striker. Because he's, he's made it absolutely clear he wants three. Craig, your thoughts on that? Where would you like to see the priorities lie next? Yeah, I think, as Dom says, absolutely another striker. I mean, um, I, I'm not sure, but I don't know if Arthur meant that perhaps that Amiobi was one of the strikers when he signed with with signed two. Uh, and I think it's important just to clarify that Aloy um, he kind of wants to reduce Amiobi's defensive um, duties. He's still very much a wide man. I think Warnock's kind of sporting about potentially playing 4-3-3 or 3-4-3 next season and um, and kind of using, you know, two wide forwards, if you like, where they're, they're not necessarily traditional wingers and they might kind of almost have floating roles close to the central striker. But I wouldn't suspect that Amiobi will be used too often as a central striker, I don't think. Um, so I would still presume he is classed as a winger. But I think, yeah, one striker at least, potentially two. And I think we also um, still need another winger as well. You're looking at kind of wide forwards and, and wide players. Um, and I think, um, you know, you've got Duncan Watmore and Marcus Tavernier who can play that role. And and now you've got Sami Amiobi. I would suspect that they'll want another one. Uh, but then I, w- I am also quite excited and hopeful that Isaiah Jones will get a chance in pre-season. He went up to uh, Queen of the South on loan in the second half of last season. And it, until he got an injury, he was absolutely outstanding. I think he, he got something like six assists and a goal in, in seven appearances, if I'm not mistaken. And, and then he got an injury. And uh, when he came back, he didn't uh, quite have as much of an impact. But certainly Isaiah Jones is someone I'm quite excited to see what he can do in pre-season, see if he gets a chance. Uh, but I would still expect another wide man. And then, of course, uh, I think we're going to come on to it, but obviously George Saville being sold last week, uh, they definitely need another midfielder in there, uh, I would say, to, to cover his loss. Yeah, we'll come on to George Saville in just a moment. There's a, there's a couple of questions in the comments there about George. Um, on to Lee Peltier. Now, he was at Cardiff with, with Warnock, so that would, did that play any part, you think, in his uh, arrival at Borough Dom? Oh, absolutely, undoubtedly. Warnock's got history, hasn't he, for kind of signing players who he trusts and signing players who he knows who he knows what he's going to get from. I think I think um, it, it's not just 
knowing what Peltier is like as a player, but probably more importantly, knowing what he's like as a character, really. He's talked so much about the need for that bit more leadership and experience. And um, I think it was evident last season that Borough were perhaps not as streetwise as you'd expect of a Warnock team at times. And that's understandable, really, when you consider they had, they had a lot of young players in the team. Uh, Mark Bowler, Anthony Dykes-Deal, uh, Dale Fry, I know he's still only 21, 22, even though he's been around years. Um, Marcus Tavernier. So, it, you know, it's, it, I think they did, they did lack that. So I think Peltier's, Peltier could be a, a very important signing just for what he'll add to the group, really. And also, um, he's versatile. You know, he can play right back, he can play left back, he can play centre-half, he can even play as a holding midfielder, we're told. Um, and, and, you know, the Darnell Fisher injury uh, is a little bit concerning. We're not sure how long he's going to be out. So then you'd be looking thinking, well, there's no real cover for Dyke Steele <clears throat> right back in a flat-back four in that most of Jed Spencer's football was was further forward, really, or as a wing-back. He, he didn't seem to be trusted as, as a... As a as a right back as such. Uh, and same on the left, you know, Mark Bowley, you're short of, of cover there because, again, Hayden Coulson played more of his football going forward and, uh, you know, reports this week that Ipswich are interested. It wouldn't be a surprise at all, really, to see Coulson, Coulson go elsewhere to play football unless he's one of those who comes back in and, and really grabs Warnock's attention. Um, so, so I think Peltier is, obviously, he's not the headline-grabbing signing, um, but I think Warnock will see him as an, as an important one. Craig, an experienced one, because he's got quite a few appearances in his belt, especially in the championship as well. So he'll be one that brings a, a wise head to the to the squad. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was uh, interesting to to hear Warnock speak about in that in that interview with BBC T's last week and kind of sport about how he'd be so invaluable to them off the pitch uh, as much as on it because of his leadership. He kind of noted how Sean Morrison and Peltier, had, 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 no, sorry, not Sean Morrison, it was Gunnison. Gunnison and Peltier had, had kind of ran the dressing room at Cardiff for him in their promotion winning season. Um, and, and and as Dom mentioned there, you know, it's something that Warnock's kind of sporting a lot about since he came to Borough, the lack of leadership in, in the dressing room. And he, he kind of noted, you know, it's, it's all well and good when it's going well and you're winning. It's easy to maintain a dressing room and, and the standards and the and the the morale at that point. But when the, if there's one or two defeats, if the season gets a bit tricky, you need some characters, you know, in there who who are going to lift the dressing room, who are going to you know keep standards high. And and so I believe that's what Peltier brings. As we see, Warnock knows him well. Having worked with him at both Leeds and Cardiff, so he knows he will bring that. And um, and yeah, I mean there are, there are some experienced players in that dressing room, like Paddy McNair's really experienced. Johnny Housen is the captain, but Warnock's often alluded to the fact that they're they're kind of experienced and and leaders in different way. Particularly Johnny Housen, he's not necessarily a ranter and a raver. You know, he's kind of he's almost a leader who who leads by example, if you like, what he does on the pitch and the standards he sets. And then what he expects others to set. Whereas I think by the sounds of it, Peltier is going to be somebody who comes in and is very vocal in the dressing room and 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 make sure that standards are kept to the right standard and morals are high when things get tough, etc. So yeah, I think even if Peltier doesn't make that many exp- uh, appearances next season, he could still have a huge role to play. Fingers crossed. Just to you guys listening later on the podcast, please remember to click follow on uh, Apple and subscribe on Spotify and, and share it amongst your borough supporting friends and family so we can uh, get the episodes to a wider audience. 
I read just there that Warnock still reckons maybe four or five um, other arrivals to come in. And I saw one man was particularly pop popular between Borough fans um, earlier this week, and that was Martin Pereiro. There was a lot of um, screen grabs going round of one fellow asking to sign, and then suddenly the link exploded and everything. So, Dom, is Martin Pereiro a, a legitimate uh, name on the list? I can't remember what day it was, but I'd, I'd, I'd woke up and I was at the gym early and I clicked, I was, it hadn't opened and I'm outside and I looked at my phone on Twitter and this name had popped up from a from a tweet in the early hours. And as you say, it had gone mad. Either plenty of fans were up late or, or up very early because considering what time it had gone out, it had already done the rounds at this point. And Warnock was then um, on BBC T's the, the night after and I think first things first, the, um, it was the first time I'd heard the name mentioned, um, but the, the fee straight away made you think, hold on, I, you know, I think it was sold as in the initial tweet, $8 million, um, you know, whatever whatever the rate is, it's it's still more than what Borough are going to pay this summer. We know that. Warnock has made that absolutely clear how many times has he said, you know, I'm not, I'm not it's, it's a summer to be shrewd. We know everything that's gone on um, in, the, in the financial landscape for every club. So, you know, straight away that made you think, well, that, that, you know, they're not going to pay that. And, and he said exactly that, didn't he, when, when he was asked by, by Mark Drury on BBC T's on the Friday night, that, that you know, you, we're not going to be, you can forget about that. He, he didn't, he asked who when he was, when the name was put to him. But it's, you know, is, is that just a bit of, uh, is that Warnock playing the game? Um, it was a big chuckle, wasn't there, after he said that? Yeah, we, we know the South American market is, is somewhere they've looked. You know, in January, they were having a good look at a player and, and, and deliberating over whether to make a move for him then. And ultimately, they decided that <clears throat> it probably wasn't the right time to, to bring a player in. And, and Warnock talked really openly at length and at length about the fact that this player, whoever it was in January, and done whether it was Pierre or it might have been, it might not have been, um, is going to need time to acclimatise. You can't bring him in and expect and expect him to make an instant impact. And I think um, the, the summer window is would be a better window to bring in a player like that and to dampen expectations straight away and to say that you know we 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 can't expect this fella to make to make an immediate impact. He's got to get the grips with the league. Um, but. but Warnock has openly said that that market is somewhere they're looking and that Leo Pergovic has obviously got good contacts there. Um, he's he, he obviously Uruguayan. He, he, he's managed and coached in Brazil. Um, so so his contacts could come in very handy. Um, so I, I certainly think it's something worth keeping a close eye on um, as, as the weeks progress, because as I say, Warnock had the chance, didn't he, to say that, no, no, there's nothing in that. And he did say, we are looking at, at that market. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. It took me back to the uh, Carlos de Pena signing and the, uh, the the airport sightings and all that and when, when he signed and that didn't go to plan. Hopefully the next one that comes from, from South America is a lot more successful. Although fair play to Carlos, he's done well for himself. Then. Craig, I'm just wondering... <clears throat> Given that Warnock is clearly keen to to get in quite a few more, can you give our listeners and viewers any suggestion on where, what position, and then I mean, are there any names that you've you've heard, you've done done the calls on, and, and you know they might be the ones being targeted by Warnock? 
That's a, it is quite difficult to get names at the moment. And, um, you know, that's actually a good thing. It's not good for us. But uh, but actually what we're seeing, and Lee Peltier was the, the perfect example of that, is that, you know, Lee Peltier's name had, had not done the rounds at all. Absolutely nobody had picked that up and then Burr announced it. And actually, like I say, it's not a good thing for us, but it's good for the club in that they're quietly going about their business these kind of deals are not coming out into the open. And it just means that Borough can get on with the job at hand, get these players in, not have to deal. You know, a lot of the times these reports go out and you see them on these sites and quite often they are, it's got to be said, agent driven. And essentially it's agents, you know, Borough might be in talks and they're trying to talk with potential interest from elsewhere uh, to get a few extra bob out of Borough. Or, you know, they might be putting Borough's name into the mix to get a few bob elsewhere or to get the player's name out there, essentially. But what we're seeing and what we saw with Lee Pellier is that Borough are going about the business, keeping the targets as, as stum and as close to themselves as they possibly can because they don't want any of that this summer. They just want to get on with the job at hand, get the players in as quickly as possible. And 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 that's, you know, as I say, for us as reporters, we want to get that news out there. But actually, it's not a bad thing for the club that they can just do that quietly. Um, no pressure, no public kind of scrutiny or anything like that. Just get the deals done. Um, yeah, it is quite interesting. I mean, just going back to the to the Martin Piero stuff and Don mentioning the fee there, one thing that I found interesting is that he, when he was speaking about the fee, he spoke about um, the Ikpiazu deal and and how, you know, the, the report initially that came out about uh, Ikpiazu joining Borough were mentioning kind of, I think it was something like 750000 up front, potentially rising to a million. And, and Warnock was keen to kind of address that when talking about Piero and saying that actually it's about half of that. And the only way Wickham will ever get a million pound out of Borough is if, I think he said, they get promoted, then stay in the Premier League. And if Piazu makes an international appearance, it's all these kind of crazy add-ons. It was interesting that he kind of spoke about that in terms of fees when asked about the Martin Piero fee. So I do wonder if maybe the, there is kind of something in that in terms of could there be a deal in place that potentially is worth I think when we're talking about the rates, I think it's about £5.8 million. Uh, but Borough might only pierce a million up front, a million pound up front, and then the rest is based on, on add-ons and everything. I mean, that is purely speculative, unfortunately. We can't get anything on Piero. Things are quite quiet in terms of getting anything out of anybody. Um, but, but yeah, it does make me wonder with the fact that he brought in that Ikpiazu kind of example when talking about Piero. It, it is interesting. We've got Stephen uh, Cramponia mentioning the Andre Grayling that came out about five, six days ago. And again, I, I, what have you guys heard? Is there anything, any truth in that? I mean, you look at his record, he's had one or two good seasons in the Championship and that, that led to big money moves and then it didn't come off. I would imagine, given the pandemic and the budgets, that uh, I would probably stay away from from a, a signing like, like Gray, who would still cost uh, probably quite a bit and a hefty wage as well. I mean, yeah, he signed for uh, Watford was eighteen million pounds, so he's he's clearly going to be on a on a on a major wage there. If if and that was the first uh, when it, when the reports emerged, it was the first time I'd I'd um I'd, I'd heard the name mentioned. I'm, I'm not saying that that's uh, you know there's no interest there. Absolutely not. There's obviously been um a lot of discussions over the course of the summer between Borough and various clubs, so there might well be. But it, it, you would think that it would have to be a loan. 
to make it work. And even then, you know, Gray spent the bulk of his career, um, perhaps all of his career, in and around the capital. So it's whether um, at his age he, he wants to um, he wants to head up to up to the northeast. So that that's all I've heard of it, and, and the name certainly hasn't um, kind of picked up any since. So it's um, it, it, you would you would look at it and think it's one of the more unlikely of the names that have been mentioned. Um, Although never say never, because you you know financially you'd have probably said the same about Yannick Balassi at the start of January. So so you, you never know, but um, it, it, it does look like it would be a difficult one. Um, George Savile then, so he's off. He's gone back to to Millwall. I saw uh, Gary Howard speaking very um, highly of him. We've got a few questions in the comments here, so we'll dive into them. They're related to to Savile. We've got. We've got Mark, who apologises to you, Don, for missing the start of the show. So um, thank you for that, Mark. Um, you can re-catch it on that on the podcast. Now, or uh, once we're finished here, we wind it back. But Mark asks, what was the fee received for Savile? And then he asks, is there any news on, on Charlie Wyke? So who wants to jump into that question? I'll, I'll just jump in quickly. Uh, Bodge used to work at the Gazette. And that, ah, lovely, pic- that lovely picture of him there with his, with his dog. I remember when he first got that dog and it wasn't all smiles then. I'm sure he was having to go home every dinner time to clean the house after it caused uh, caused carnage in the morning. So I'm glad to see things have settled there. Um, the, the fee for Savile, not, not sure it was, um, you know, it, it, it was undisclosed. And I, unless it's been disclosed since, I don't even think the terms of his of his contract in terms of how long he's signed were, dis- were disclosed by the Millwall end. Um, he had a year left on his Borough, he had a year left on his Borough deal. Um, so it might well be that you know Borough still owed uh, something from the from the initial transfer fee there, um, and there the was just kind of a, a mutual agreement between the clubs. Um, but that's speculative. I'm I'm not 100% sure on that. But but as I say, with with him kind of going into the last year of his contract, and I think you know Warnock said on um, and on BBC T's on Friday that you know it, it suited all parties really. It suited. Um, both clubs and, and obviously Savile on a, on a personal level as well. So he, he certainly left with the, with, the, with the best wishes of, of everyone at the club. Um, and the other thing is, although Borough weren't actively looking to get rid of him this summer, you know he did come in as uh, for quite a substantial fee. So so will have been on you know decent wages. Um, so so it's freed up that as well. Uh, and and as for news on Charlie Wyke, um, you know our understanding has been that he's not someone who Warnock has 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 been keen on really he, he certainly had a look at him and and you know white was fantastic last year for Sunderland um but the the suggestion was that Warnock was was kind of looking elsewhere um I've seen today that Wigan have been linked with with white but I hope, I hope you know I think it's I, I love seeing strikers Charlie white Danny Graham did it early in his career um who take a step back to, to then take a step forward, you know, they're brave enough to kind of step out of the comfort zone and drop down to League One, League Two, the National League, whatever it is, uh, and then work the way back up. And I, and I think it's been brilliant to see White progress through his career. So so I hope he gets, um, I hope he gets a, a good move this summer, and I hope he continues to bang in the goals like he was last season. Uh, Craig, given that Savile's gone and you know he played, uh, what was it, forty-two games last season? I think I've just had a, had a little. Look there. How did Burra replace uh, replace him? Because you know he's gone, but he seemed to play quite a major role last season. So, it, it, are there plans to replace him? Is there someone waiting in the wings? We've got um, someone in the comments here asking about 
Um, I've totally lost the comment. Where's it gone? Uh, Lewis Wing, um, is, is he going to get maybe a chance because Savile's moved on? I think Lewis Wing will, will absolutely get an opportunity in pre-season. He obviously went away to Rotherham in the second half of last season and really impressed with the Millers, despite the fact they got relegated. Uh, but there is a lot of interest in Wing this summer as well. And he's also out of contract at the end of this season, 12 months left. So that could be something that they look at um, further down the line. But I think that one would only be something to look at if they were able to get somebody in to replace Savile. Uh, it's actually an interesting one, this, because, and I don't want to do Savile an injustice when, when I say this, because, uh, you know, I enjoyed watching George Savile a lot last season, actually. And, and from what I gather, uh, I obviously didn't watch much of Borough before last season, but it seems last season was absolutely his best season at the club. But in, in terms, in terms of, um, you know, for Borough now moving forward, I think this actually gives them a good opportunity to get better balance in the midfield because, um, you know, I spoke, you know, kind of privately with Dom about this and actually I feel like Borough don't actually set up in a way that probably gets the best out of George Savile. I think realistically George Chavel's best position if we're talking about kind of roles in midfield would be that kind of number eight role that more advanced midfield role whereas I think the way I kind of envision Burr's best balance in midfield being is kind of with Johnny Housen and, and Sam Morsey uh, sitting as deep holding midfielders and then they've got that kind of uh, free floating role which currently Marcus Tavernier would occupy he's the obvious one but when Tavernier isn't there they don't really have anybody who can play that role and and, and Warnock alluded to it at, at the end of last season that kind of finding somebody who could come into the side and, and play that role when Tavernier isn't available would be quite an important one to do this summer and, and we haven't seen that yet now it's interesting I, I, I can't uh, see I know much about Piero, Martin Piero, who we've previously discussed. But from everything I've looked in terms of the kind of scouting reports that have been coming through, he sounds to me everything like what Warnock would like in that kind of free roaming midfield role that Tavernier plays, almost like he could potentially come in as that kind of, you know, that backup or that alternative to Marcus Tavernier, because he doesn't appear to me to be one of what would be one of your two holding midfielders and I think George Savile leaving actually gives Borough an opportunity to bring somebody in uh, who will compete with with Morsi and, and Housen in those holding midfield roles. I know in terms of you know when kind of Borough fans have been considering where Piero would potentially fit in if that was a genuine target you know they're talking about wanting this more kind of advanced midfielder and you see similar with England as well in terms of right throughout these Euros there's been many complaints about um about Phillips and, and Rice both playing as holding midfielders and kind of the talk of, of no need for, for that. But actually, I think it, it offers you better balance. It offers you protection. It allows the fullbacks to get forward a bit more, but you don't overload the kind of central. I think if what happens if you have just one holding midfielder and then two more advanced central midfielders, you can almost overcrowd the central area and it becomes harder to kind of, you know, play it around and find pockets of space in that final third because you are not actually drag in you know some of their midfielders back in with the defense and everything just becomes very clogged up in that final third so i actually i like the way gareth southgate sets up in england with the the phillips and um and, and rice partnership in the midfield and i i envisioned that envision that being how borough and warnock set up next season and and that's why i see it without doing an injustice to george savile and without you know i don't want to be critical of george savile it's more just 
you know, in terms of best positions and best role. I actually think Salah's departure gives them an opportunity to bring in another hole in midfielder to compete with Housen and Morsi and offer better balance in that midfield. So it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward. And of course, we'll get the, f- the first look at maybe how things potentially will set up. I know we're expecting a few more arrivals, but we've got the pre-season games starting next week. Craig, you mentioned the first one against against Bishop Auckland. What are you expecting from pre-season as a whole? Is it just to get fit, um, to get the, the minutes, you know, under, under the belt? Or uh, I'm just wondering how many games into the pre-season schedule are you, start, are you expecting to see uh, Warnock's side, you know, for, for the new season? Kind of the, the plan and the shape of it. I think the there's certain players that he talked a lot about his nucleus last season, and there are certain players who you you you, we, you know what to expect from the start of the season. You know they're going to play. You know where they're going to play. You know how they're going to play. I suppose in terms of the nucleus, one question would perhaps be: Is he going to play Paddy McNair in defence or midfield this coming season? He, he he you know he was absolutely adamant, wasn't he? That you know he's a brilliant centre half. He's an average midfielder. I think was the quote, but. Um, Late in the back end of the season, and it was forced. What McNair stepped forward into midfield and showed that, you know, really Borough could do with him in both positions because he was he was excellent there as well. Um, so I suppose that's the only question mark with with the players of your class as the nucleus. With others, I think it's it, he's talked a lot, Warnock, about every summer there's, there's someone who surprises you, and you know who will that be? Will Will Lewis Wing come back and force his way in? Hayden Coulson. One of the youngsters, you know, young players who went out on loan last season. Um, and, and until they come back, you don't really know how how they've progressed and how they've developed. So players like Nathan Wood, are, are they ready to play a part this season, or does he think um, that, that another year of another year's loan would be beneficial? And then those who were kind of, kind of perhaps on the fringes last year, the likes of of Jed Spence at the back end of the season, Chubarakpom, how how are they going to respond? You know, have they as reported back for, for the summer, desperate to prove a point and show that they that they should play a role this season. So I, I think they're the unanswered questions, just just touching on them really. I think there's there's several, but there's some of the unanswered questions that that we'll be keen to to address in the in the coming weeks, obviously starting next week at Bishop. I'm just wondering, Craig, how easy is it to get answers to some of them questions when you are playing no disrespect to sides like Bishop Orton, but you're not playing you know, high-level teams, and therefore the quality of the opposition isn't is good. So, you know, you you do look, and we mentioned this last week. You look at who Borough are playing the preseason. It's not the teams are brilliant. So I'm just wondering, um, yeah, how, how, how do you do you, do you foresee one of getting those answers um, in good time? Yeah, I think I think it's an interesting dynamic. I think it starts obviously with Bishop, then Saltash, and then Tavistock. Well, perhaps Saltash and Tavistock the other way around. I can't remember off the top of my head. But the three non-league sides, if you like. Now, I think that will be interesting, and and probably the timing is right in terms of because we're still getting signings in. Youngsters are going to have to probably involve be involved in at least two of those three games probably all three. Um, and, and so because they're kind of non-league sides who are going to be tough, they're going to be physical, that's a good test for those youngsters. And you are going to learn a lot from the younger players. You know, Don mentioned Nathan Wood coming back there and I've mentioned Isaiah Jones earlier in the podcast. People like that who may get an opportunity in these kind of games, that's going to be a good market for one to have a look and see if they're physically up to it. Another thing he's spoken about in terms of 
you know, pre-season is is youngsters coming, uh, going away, leaving at the end of a season as boys and coming back as men. That's always the uncertainty he speaks about in terms of, you know, coming back physically ready when you hadn't expected there would be. So there's three early games against non-league opposition, kind of, they offer that. And we also know that Warner, he likes hard work and application, you know, and he, he likes concentration at the back, defensive stability. Now, one of the reasons Jed Spence, for example, lost his place towards the end of the season and dropped right down the pecking order was because whenever he was forced to play, he was always susceptible to switching off, letting his man go, and he actually cost Borough a couple of goals towards the end of the season. Uh, that, that can't be ignored. Now, those early games, it doesn't matter who the opposition are, they're, they're going to be getting at Borough. They're going to be wanting to kind of, you know, have a go. It's a pre-season friendly. They're playing Borough. They've got nothing to lose. So in, in Jed Spence, for example, if he does play him in, in a right-back role, he can have a look and see if he has switched on a bit, if he is willing to work hard. Tuberak Pom, there were kind of question marks over how much work rate he was willing to put in up top, which is why Duncan Watmore, although not a natural centre forward, was preferred over Tuberak Pom for much of the back end of last season. So has Tuberak Pom re- returned with a better attitude, if you like? Well, we'll find out in those games because it doesn't matter the opposition, your own personal work rate has to be there. So there are things we can learn in them games. And then from then, we then obviously step it up and we have Plymouth, then York and Rotherham. Okay, they're not championship sides, but you know, with the exception of York, they are league sides, league one sides and uh, decent enough opposition where you know we can learn more. And as, as pre-season has progressed a bit more, fitness has come in a bit more. Um, you know, then they're, they're the games where you will want to kind of see, you know, more tactical kind of knowledge being shown and, and, and a bit more ruthlessness uh, being shown in those games. Uh, so I think in terms of the balance of pre-season and, and the timing of the games, I think it makes sense in how they're going to gradually build up towards the start of the season and, and learning the things that they need to learn. We're going to finish on two questions then. I'll come to you first, Dom. Uh, Dave McNally asking, what's with the goalkeeper situation? He says, Lumley, number one, but who's number two and number three? And which youngsters are going to go out and at what level? And then he, he lists Brad James as an example. So, Dom first and Craig, you jump in after we've heard uh, what Dom has to say. I would, I would expect a senior number two. Um, obviously, Dejan Stojanovic is, is still on the club's books as things stand. All that. I, I don't think it would come as a surprise if... If he was to if he was to leave this summer, we know St. Pauli wanted him. He impressed there last year, um, and and you know, Stjanovic. I don't think he particularly settled too well, and um, that might be one of those where you know I think again it suits all parties. So we'll have to see how that one progresses. Um, but but I do think you know Warnock will will uh, prioritise the importance of of a senior number two, uh, a, a Jordan Archer type. Really, I've seen QPR. Uh, are reportedly set to sign Archer. Um, but that type of experienced player to, to, to come in, an experienced keeper to come in and, and provide cover. Um, <clears throat> as for the youngsters, the, the, there's, a, there's a decent crop there. And, and, and I think really the decision will be made for one of them to stay as, as a third choice and the, the rest to go on loan. I was talking to Luke Armstrong, uh, I think it was the week before last, who, who obviously went up with Hartlepool and, and his best mates were Brad James and and obviously he was buzzing for, for James and saying that uh, he'd he'd obviously come through the ranks with James as a kid. 
And when James joined Hartlepool, he, he, he said he, he's seen a, a big difference in him. He, he progressed as a, you know, physically he, he progressed and, and as a goalkeeper as well. Uh, and he thinks that, uh, you know, now James would need, after going up with Hartlepool, a, a loan move regularly playing league football, which would make sense. So I think, again, that's one for Warnock to consider this summer. I would imagine a senior, a senior deputy keeper, um, then a younger keeper as a number three, learning from the two seniors, and, and whoever isn't that number three, go out and play regularly, uh, hopefully in the football league or learn somewhere. Yeah, I, I echo exactly what, what Dom said there. I mean, it, we know how kind of meticulously um, Warnock and, and the recruitment team planned for this summer window. And um, and and we know there was interest both from Sejanovic St- and St. Pauli to, for him to kind of go back there. So so as Dom said there, it would not be a surprise in the least if, if Sejanovic goes back there uh, because it does just suit all parties. It would not surprise me in the slightest if, if Warnock already has somebody lined up or certainly knows who he will turn to uh, once Stojanovic does go, but it will be a case of, of needing him to, to go, you know, getting him off the books before they then do bring somebody in. Um, because they won't want to bring somebody in, commit to a wage if anything were to happen and if, you, if for want of a better word, that move break down and be left with those three senior goalkeepers because they're, you know, they, they won't want to be left with that wage burden. So it will be just a case, I would imagine, of, of waiting for, for something to happen with uh, Dejan Stojanovic before before bringing in a senior um, back up to, to Joe Lumley. And and yeah, as, as with the youngsters, it will be interesting to see what he does with um, with Brad James after his time at, at Hartlepool. We know he watched that Hartlepool game, the uh, playoff final, because he, he mentioned it on BBC Tees and the fact that Brad James saved the, the match-winning penalty in the, in the, in the shootout. Uh, and, and, and you know, as, as Dom says, maybe it will now benefit him to get a football league loan. But having said that, there's also Saul Brin there who, who spent last season effectively as the third choice, which one of them is going to be next season, playing regularly for the under-23s. And, and at the end of the season, when there was nothing to play for, and Archer came in for, for the last five, didn't he? And Bettinelli had been dropped. But there was talk of him bringing Saul Brin in and, and giving Saul Brin a go. Uh, and and then it was at the last minute he kind of he U-turned on that and decided against it and he kind of said that he he'd watched him in training and he just didn't feel that he was ready and he didn't want him to, to throw him in like that because you know you've got to think about with these young kids as well it's all well and good seeing oh you know just get them in there's nothing to play for but if Solid had come in when he wasn't ready at the end of last season made a couple of howlers. Uh, that that could have completely wrecked him confidence-wise, you know what I mean, and knocked him back years. So it's better to wait until he is ready. So it'd be interesting to see whether he looks at the experience Brad James picked up at Hartlepool and decides that actually, okay, now he's a good place to be our third choice, or whether he, he decides that um, Brad James should go out and get that extra experience and keep Saul Brin around. But, but one of them will join Zach Hemming, who's, who has gone out. He's gone to Kilmarnock on board. Um, that that much we do expect. Final question then of the show, and it's from Matthew Proudman. Um, it's a bit of a long one, but I'm going to read the full question out. Um, we'll come to you first, Craig, after I've done so. Uh, Matthew says, I'm interested to know your thoughts on exactly how we are going, going forward now as a club. Given financial restraints and the loss of parachute payments, do you now feel we are a club who will be lucky to get out of the championship? Is this what we are now as a club? A mid-table side looking to be one that breaks into the top six. He feels 
uh, Barrar, and he said it's a bitter pill to swallow. So, uh, break into that one, Craig. Yeah, I, I can kind of understand the the pessimism, uh, for want of a better word, if you want to call it that. But but listen, we have to be realistic. Borough and most championship clubs are in a position where for far too many years now, they've been overspending, they've been spending beyond the means. And and ultimately, you know, in Borough's case, without Steve Gibson, the, the club just wouldn't be sustainable. It wouldn't be still going. Steve Gibson continues to plough his own money in at a rate that does help the club keep going, and and ultimately that that's not a sustainable way to go. You know, and um, you know, I've spoken to speak Steve Gibson privately about this, and and the idea is, you know, outside of football, what business would anybody in the right mind run? that lost the amount of money, you know, the last accounts, this was just three months into COVID, remember, so we've had another 12 months of, of no uh, crowds and, and the revenue hits. And and Borough made record losses of, I think it was just under 40 million, didn't it? That was with just um, three months of COVID. So COVID wasn't a big hit on that. It was mainly the loss of parachute payments. So clearly, you know, that, that means that the wage bill needs to come down. The club needs to start being more sustainable and, and spending more in line with the money that it actually brings in. Um, now, I don't, for one second, believe that means that Borough have to be a mid-table club, you know, who who uh, lucky to break into the top six. I think what that means is that recruitment has to improve and recruitment has to be, you know, better moving forward. And we spoke on the last podcast about kind of, um, you know, that director of football model and potentially looking at doing that in the future. Now, at the moment, I don't think, as we spoke about on that podcast, I don't think that makes sense because I think what we've got at the minute at the club is somebody like Neil Warnock, who knows this division like the back of his hand, knows how to get out of this division on a tight budget. And so for me, the thing to do this summer is plough as much of the resources as you can into Neil Warnock and what Neil Warnock wants and give him 12 months to try and get the club back to the Premier League. Because you only need to get there once. And then even if you're not in a position to steer there, beyond one season, you come back to the championship uh, with three years of parachute payments and, and look to rebuild then, because that's what the, that's what Borough didn't do last time when they went up to the Premier League. They had that summer with Gary Monk where they wasted the parachute payments and they've never been able to recover since. So, you know, you look at clubs like, for example, Burnley, who went up under Sean Dyche, came down, but then, you know, stuck to the plan steered fearful uh, to Sean Dyche, went back up and then they've had this, what is it, about 10 years now Burnley have been in the Premier League. Okay, it's not the most exciting football that Burnley play, but they are an established Premier League club. Um, and, and that come through following and having faith in and clear direction in the model that they wanted to take. So I think ultimately that's what, what Borough need to find now, isn't it? Is, is accepting, you know, where they are financially, but then, you know, recruiting smartly, recruiting cleverly. And, um, and doing it the right way. Norwich are another good example. They've stuck to the guns with uh, with Daniel Fark. They went up, weren't in a position where they were going to spend huge, came back down, but, you know, stuck to the plan, stuck with Fark, and they've gone straight back up. Uh, and, and so, you know, that's what I, I think for now, stick with Warnock. Let's give him everything. But then we know Warnock ultimately will be short term. He's not going to be here for years and years. So looking, you know, beyond Warnock, that's when the club need to start thinking about how they recruit better and you know how to scout better and, and and that kind of thing. I think I think sorry sorry to budding sorry Elijah you know it's already been uh, on a while. I, th I think it's just kind of um, you know what they look at is the consistency and approach which we've talked about previously. Um, 
you know, I, I think back to Jonathan Woodgate unveiling um, and that press conference, and and there was talk there about kind of um, you know a, a, a club fit. So when managers are coming in, um, it, it's almost a continuity and a consistency in the approach. So when managers are coming in, you know that the players who are already at the club are gonna are gonna fit. So you're not almost having to start from from square one and and you know well they're not my type of player. Let's get rid and start again because. Um, <clears throat> As you say, if it, you know, Borough clearly aren't, aren't a million miles away. We saw that last season. Neil Warnock was confident last season that they were going to come good in the second half of the season. Now, for whatever reason, um, that that wasn't the case. But he'll look this season and think, you know, we're, we're, we've got a, we've got the bulk of a decent squad here, and we're, and we're going to and we're not going to be far away again. Now, if if they weren't. If, if Borough weren't successful this season, that doesn't mean, obviously, you need to, to tear it up and start again. You kind of build on your strengths and look to move forward from there. So I think that'll be that'll be the aim, um, just kind of that consistency and, and continuity in approach, really. Brilliant stuff. Well, there we have it, ladies and gents. Thank you for tuning in to Tribe Super Live on the Gazette Borough page and later on our podcast channels. Again, just a reminder to please like and subscribe to the podcast if you are listening later really does help us get the show out to a wider audience. Head over to the Gazette website. You can keep it with all the latest Borough FC news. And uh, we shall be back next week. Thank you for tuning in.